With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No, too late. (laughs) And the ball game is over. Edwin Diaz bends but does not break. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. It is Monday, August 15th. The Mets have just taken two of three at home from the Philadelphia Phillies once again. I am one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly Olive. Joining me, as always, is the guy that clapped at the very beginning of the show, that be Jerry Plevins. <laughs> Jerry, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. You were you had a good little cadence there for a little bit. I, I thought bugging. you were about to you know, keep the, the freestyle. The, I'm in the a musical mood. I saw a Beetlejuice on Broadway yesterday. I'm in a very music, musical mood right now. Oh, how was it? It was pretty good. A lot, very good. funny. I had to see that. That's a, I'm a huge musical fan, huge Broadway fan. Nice. I uh, love Beetlejuice. Yeah. So. It was pretty good. I'm is seeing it Tim a, Burton's greatest work? I think so. It's the one I think I, of when I think of Tim Burton. I'm not a huge Tim Burton fan. Whoa. So that's probably a, a no doubt yes for me. That Hang that's on. His. You're not really a Tim Burton fan? No, I'm not saying I don't like his stuff, but I'm not like a, a diehard fan. Okay. You know what I mean? Like uh, everybody loves a nightmare before Christmas. Right. Not 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 really my thing. I could do you like um, Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd's all right. Oh, Jerry. Uh, you know I like uh, what else did he do? Edward Scissorhands. Batman was all right. Edward Scissorhands really good, but that's a Johnny Depp thing for me. Even yeah, though they go right. hand in hand, hated the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version. I wasn't crazy about that. Yeah, horrible. I yeah. thought it was terrible. Yeah. Um, We've already derailed like less than a minute into the show. That's no, this is important <laughs> stuff. This isn't derail. This is personality. Well, usually this your is... taste is spot on, so I'm shocked that you're not really a Tim Burton guy. Oh uh, well, I didn't say I, I like his stuff. Okay, I love Beetlejuice. I think it's great. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, very good movie. Okay, uh, I just not all in on everything that he's done. Okay, so um, he's not like what well, he's not like on a Mount Rushmore for you. Correct, anything. not okay. there. Okay. He's not a Quentin okay. Tarantino like just whatever. If his name's attached to it, I'm gonna definitely watch it in theaters, kind of thing. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, uh, the Mets also played baseball this weekend. Um, what so we're gonna? I know, I know. We have to derail it was a good series it was pretty Dude, good i told you the phillies are for real i yeah told you. let's preface the entire thing by saying that the phillies look so much better than they did i the told you they're for it's real crazy. man they're pitching and their offense will keep them in the ground in anything and they looked uh, passable on defense i was gonna say they looked great on defense until that last play in game three and it kind of ruined <sighs> the great. whole thing we'll for talk me. about it they Not turned great. a great passable. double play on nito's bunt in one of the games um they made all the easy plays that they weren't making in may um they look like they could be a real threat in the postseason they uh, are they a 100 real threat in the playoffs with nola and wheeler yeah and even ranger suarez man they could do some damage and their boppers in their lineup can look like they could do some damage, man. They're the yeah. real deal. We're going to talk about it. But today, the recaps are brought to you by a new sponsor for Shea Station. Right. More baseball cards, ladies and gentlemen. It is CSG Cards. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's game recaps. It They are an expert and impartial third-party authentication and grading service for sports cards. After grading 
Sports cards are encapsulated in archival, durable, and crystal clear CSG holders that protect and preserve. Love all the words there. That was, t- that was tough for me to say. I got through it. Uh, every CSG certified sports card is backed by the CSG guarantee of authenticity and great, like all those rhymes, which is the strongest in the industry. Collectors know they can buy and sell with peace of mind when a card is in a CSG holder because its authenticity and condition are guaranteed. Their promo code, Shay, or I guess our promo code, gets you $15 off their yearly membership. The offer expires at the end of September, so pounce on it now while you have the chance. Grade your sports cards with CSG. Get $15 off yearly memberships with the promo code Shay at CSGcards.com. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's game recaps. Jerry, are we ready? We are ready. Jack, play that funky music, please. The Mets welcomed the Phillies into town, and Max Scherzer took the bump for Game 1. We had mentioned last time that the Phillies hit Scherzer pretty well uh, in the past, uh, in the starts of this year, and they started off pretty well in the first inning. They jumped on him with a Bryson Stott leadoff double and an Alec Bohm RBI single. They loaded the bases in the second with two outs, but Max was able to escape that jam. The Mets would clap back, though, in the bottom of the second after Alonzo drew a walk and Darren Ruff hit a double to the wall. Mark Canna's deep sacrifice fly ties that game. Luis Guillorme, though, came in as a pinch hitter for Eduardo Escobar. Very confusing. I was at the game we had no idea what was going on and it was only going to get weirder escobar left with left side tightness he was day to day but later on he came back in the series uh, mark canna randomly got his infielders glove on he moved from left field to third base to replace mcneil who had a thumb laceration so he also comes out of the game as well tyler naquin went into play left field so the mets were down two men very early in this game uh, in the fourth inning the phillies got back to back two out singles but failed to convert against max he was finally starting to settle in he shook off that shaky first inning and turned in a pretty dominant outing, seven innings, one earned run, nine hits, but no walks, six strikeouts on 98 pitches. That ERA goes down to 1.93 on the season. Uh, but Bryson Stott, he had a pretty good game for the Phillies. Uh, one of the guys that I thought was going to break out earlier this season, he's the first player ever to reach four times in a game against Max Scherzer, which is insane because Scherzer's been around for basically 15 years at this point. He's the first one to ever do it, so congrats to Stott there on a great game. Uh, Adam Adovino came in later uh, for the eighth inning, struck out a pair of batters, uh, straining Nick Castellanos on second base. Good for Otto. He stays hot. Uh, the Mets go hitless for eight consecutive batters from the fifth to the eighth inning. They went quiet. Ranger Suarez looked really good in this game. Uh, if you're the Phillies and you got that game three ball for Ranger Suarez or Noah Syndergaard, I think I might give it to Ranger. He looked really good in the start. Uh, Edwin Diaz came out for the trumpets in the ninth inning. He struck out two batters, uh, needed just eight pitches to get through that inning. Uh, the Mets looked like they were poised to walk this one off against Sir Anthony Dominguez. They got a leadoff double from Starling Marte. He moved over to third on Lindor's flyout. And then that Phillies defense, which has looked a little bit better, uh, they catch a liner in left field. Matt Veerling makes the outfield assist double play as Marte is thrown out on that short liner. And then in the 10th inning, Alec Bohm's fly ball to right field is enough to score the Manfred runner. And then the guy that the Mets didn't trade for, David Robertson, came in for the 10th and looked really, really good. Uh, he struck out Tyler Naquin with a runner on third and one out, which kind of all but sealed the game as Guillaume grounded out to end it. The Mets went 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position in this one. They left five men on base, hit into three double plays. It was a tough night for the offense, which was red hot coming into this game, uh, but Ranger Suarez and the bullpen cools them down. The Mets lose game one, which they don't do a lot, 2-1. to one. Rarity loss. Uh, game should have kept going. Uh, Starling Marte threw him out at home. Nito misplayed the bounce, tried to rush the tag. Uh, it's tough, man. That's a tough play with the catcher's mitt. Uh, but should have been made, should have kept going, should have been 
thrown out to play with a chance to win it by scoring one. Should have won, could have won. These are the games that they normally do, but this is what the Phillies showed us is that they can play some ball. Yeah. Are you ready for game two? Yeah, show me how they responded, Jerry. Jack Alden Sorensen dropped the beat, homie. (laughs) Here we go. Game two, Jacob deGrom in his third start coming back from injury versus Aaron Nola, arguably having his best statistical season since 2018, maybe even better. That year, he finished third in the Cy Young. Pitcher's duel? Spoiler alert, it was a pitcher's duel. Top of the first, DeGrom works around a broken bat single from Reese Hoskins uh, to just be dominant. Aaron Nola in the bottom of the first gets the first out. Starling Marte, let me know if you hear this before. Single, stolen base, throwing error on the catcher to third, and then gets knocked in. Pete Alonso with his 97th RBI of the year puts the Mets up one to nothing, and that would be it for the whole game. Uh, the Mets scratched four hits against Aaron Nola, who threw a CG, went eight innings, giving up those four hits, one run, one walk, eight punch outs, and that would be enough because DeGrom was incredible. His line looks all right. Six innings pitched, two hits, 10 Ks on 76 pitches, but it doesn't tell the whole story because that man is special. You must see it with your own eyes. It is incredible. Lugo throws the seventh and does really well. In a huge eighth, Trevor May stepped up and looked great, which was nice. And then sound the trumpets as Diaz jogs in. Worked around a little bit of a, a wild streak, walked two guys, but got his 200th career save. The Mets win game two in interesting style, scoring one in the bottom of the first, and that would be it for the entire game. The Mets take game two for your boy, Jerry. Very nice recap. Another game two win for Jerry. So, I mean, mm. you know, the sky is falling. Everything's upside down now. Uh, yeah, a nice clean one nothing win. You expect one run of support and DeGrom start. That's pretty much obvious at this point. He looked awesome. I mean, there's so many ways to illustrate how he was awesome, but, you know, we can do that pretty yeah, much Yeah, there day. was like uh, the, the 22 straight home uh, home starts with two runs or fewer. That That's a major league record. I don't really care about that, but it just shows you how good he is. Yeah. That's To me, that's not a major league record. That's just interesting facts yeah um it is a record but i don't care i mean uh, it's amazing this he might have been the pitching matters from the first to the third he struck out or he retired 16 in a row yeah. just pure pure dominance like he gave up a broken bat single and then bryson stott hit a, a nice little um jumped on a first pitch fastball i believe and put it into center field apart from that Derek Hall, I think, had the best at-bats against him, Probably, even though he didn't yeah. have success. He looked comfortable in that box, uh, which is interesting, you know, when Bryce Harper comes back because he's been DHing. Uh, so who knows? Yeah, and I mean, poor Aaron Nola, who pitched an absolutely great complete game, but allowed that little dink right field single to Pete Alonzo, and he gets the loss for this game, which is crazy. That was, uh, you know, you talked about how their their defense looked great. Uh, get Castellanos in right field there. I know. Um, that could have fallen in on anybody, maybe even Harper, but he's not very swift of foot out there. And so having, you know, Schwarber didn't play outfield. So you have just some, some guys that don't cover the same ground. We're pretty blessed with the Mets watching our guys get through Marte gets to that ball all day long and catches that. And that was the difference in the ball game. So. 
Yeah, and that uh, essentially turned into a game-winning RBI for Pete. Game-winning RBI, which is, what do you write? It's 23rd. 23rd of the season. Game-winning RBI this season alone. That's 10 more than any other player. That's a great note and very indicative of Pete Alonso's year. Very most valuable of Mr. Pete Alonso. Uh, Bullpen looked great in this one as well. Seth Lugo with another scoreless inning. I loved, loved that spot for Trevor May. Uh, It was the eighth inning of a huge game, but it was also a bottom of the order. Kind of a perfect storm for Trevor May to get his feet wet uh, in a big spot again. He looked absolutely fantastic. That fastball really had some zip. And then this was probably the shakiest we've seen Edwin Diaz in a while, and he still looked great uh, getting his 27th save. So all it was like things. 50 straight batters before he walked a guy. I That's incredible. So. Something something yeah. crazy like that. Um, yeah, which is, you know, with a guy that has a little bit of a wild streak in him. Uh, that's impressive run, man. Yeah. Just pure dominance. And I mean, these were still, you know, some good disciplined at bats from the Phillies in the ninth. Not yeah, really they look good, man. Slider, so. They looked good. They against DeGrom, like they, you know, he, he was better than everybody but they still stood their ground i mean i think cassiano swung in a slider and he missed it by this much yeah but that doesn't happen all the time but you know they're a good team man uh and trevor may that was to me that was the a really really positive sign for his effectiveness because it's starting to click for him it looked like his confidence in his own stuff uh is coming forth so absolutely they looked good until game three, the rubber match of the series, pitting Zach Wheeler against our guy Chris Bassett from Ohio. Nimmo led off the game with a double that I was absolutely certain was a home run. It turns out it wasn't. Uh, but Lindor brings him home on an RBI single to get the Mets started early. Uh, the Phillies got back-to-back singles in the fourth after not really getting anything going against Bassett in the first three innings. They failed to score there, and then the Mets respond by rallying for four runs in the fourth inning off Wheeler. Pete Alonso started the rally with a one-out double down the line. Mark Canna fights off the 0-2 pitch to bring him home on an RBI single. Luis Guillorme dinks one to left field the other way. That just sneaks out. Uh, that's an RBI single as well. 3-0 Metsies. McNeil draws a nice walk, and then James McCann steps up with two ducks on the pond and just bloops one to center field. It falls in the perfect spot. Uh, the center fielder overruns it, and then there's a shaky throw home. McNeil makes them kind of make a bad play with some great base running there after Guillaume, Guillaume scores. Guillaume did pull up lame to home. Uh, he exited the game after this, some more Mets injuries. But the good news is that Escobar came in to fill in for him, so it seems like that left side is not really bothering him anymore. Uh, before this game, the Mets had never scored more than four runs in a single game against uh, Zach Wheeler. They did it in one inning in this game, which was pretty cool. Uh, but right after that rally, Chris Bassett faces some trouble with the bases loaded in the fifth, uh, but he gets the key outs. He struck out two batters earlier and then gets Alec Bohm to line out to second base. Five shutout innings for Chris Bassett, four hits, two walks, five strikeouts, 97 pitches. He labored in this one, but ultimately turned in a great outing. That ERA is down to 3.27. And then Dan Vogelback decides to put his stamp on the game as well, crushing a solo home run to right field off Zach Wheeler, uh, which means that every Mets starter recorded a hit in this one, which was very nice. And then the Mets bullpen showed up again. They had a great series overall. Trevor Williams has been absolutely quietly incredible for the Mets. He now has a 20-inning scoreless streak with two scoreless innings in this game. Michael Givens turned in a nice eighth inning, which was good to see. He struck out two. Joelli loaded the bases in the ninth, which forced the Mets to use Otto. That may hurt them tonight, as he will probably be on a 
available? I'm not sure. Uh, he came on to get that last strikeout. Uh, Adam Adovino has inherited 16 runners in his last 25 games, and only one of them has come around to score. He has been awesome in that spot. And the Mets throw another shutout. They're 16th of the year, which leads all of MLB. The Phillies go 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. They leave 12 men on base. A very frustrating game if you're a Philly fan and a very satisfying game if you're a Mets fan because they win this one 6 to nothing and they take the series against the Phillies once again. Beautiful. Back-to-back shutouts from the uh, New York Mets against a stout Phillies offense, man. That was great to see a lot of help. Chris Bassett, you know, this is a bullpen. DeGrom went six, Bassett went five, and the Mets bullpen shut him out as well. So that was huge to see. Bassett deserved this one to get five shutout, a little bit of a five-and-dive situation uh, because he's been going so deep and, like, wearing it for – the bullpen to pick up the other guys. It was nice to see him get uh, picked up by the other end, you know, when he doesn't go that deep. Um, good game, man. Uh, Vogelback looked awesome. That was a good hit. You know, that, that defense showed up that weird play with the, with the Phillies. It was kind of looked like a, a hose bottleneck situation where they were just like backed up on playing too well of defense. And they're like, here, Here it is. Put it out there. This is what we really do. Yeah, I mean... Um, A good series, man. A really good series. Again, the Phillies Phillies are for real, but the Mets are better. I know. I mean, this was a red-hot Phillies team that had won, I, I don't know how many games in a row had won that series against the Marlins, but this was the first real tough team they faced since the All-Star break ended. Aside from the Braves, they won a couple series there as well. Uh, But the Mets really show that they are still kind of the big brother of this division. Uh, The bullpen looked great. I'm still marveling at Trevor Williams' numbers with the Mets. They just continue to get better and better. Uh, And it was really nice to see Scherzer, DeGrom, and Bassett all throw in one series because that's kind of little bit of a playoff preview for the Mets. That's most likely the plan for games one through three uh, in any playoff series they end up in. And it looks like these guys were definitely up to the task, which was cool. Up to the task, indeed. Uh, Is it Apple time? I believe it is the apple of our eye. (laughs) Jerry, can I tell you who it's brought to us by? Please do. I would love to know. Jerry, I don't think you're ever planning on suing me. But if you were to try and sue me, your friend, your colleague, you should probably get your legal from Siegel because Siegel Law Firm brings you the apple of our eye today. Thank you to them. They are a New York City-based personal injury and civil rights law firm. They truly care about their clients. Uh, They're known for hiring the right experts and putting every case in the best chance to succeed, treating their clients like family and having incredible client satisfaction as a result. A lot of firms say this, but not a lot of them actually do it, and Siegel Law Firm definitely does. There is a misconception that you cannot afford a lawyer, and it's not true. There's no cost to consult with Siegel Law Firm and no out-of-pocket costs when they handle your case. You don't pay a thing until they recover for you and then share a percentage of that recovery. So there's nothing to lose. Don't disqualify yourself from a case for no reason. It's always worth a call to Siegel law firm. Give them a call at 646-810-3337 or visit them at Siegel-LawFirm to get the legal support that you need. That's S-E-G-A-L-LawFirm.com. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's Apple of our eye. Jerry, you want to take it away here? I do. I do. Uh, We'll do the Apple. And I'm going to go a little bit off script, a little bit wild here. You put some good things up. I'll let you talk about what you want to talk about, but I am going to give the apple of my eye to the Mets bullpen as a collective. 
Why is that? Okay. Why? Why, you may ask? Well, because they pitched well all series. Three games, uh, two shutouts, and they actually got the loss in the first game in extra innings, but right. it was an unearned run for Michael Givens. They went three innings of, of zero earned runs in the first game, three innings of shutout ball in the second game, and four innings of shutout ball in the third game. The third one was big because following up DeGrom and his sixth shutout, they only won one to nothing. So any bit of a hiccup and the game is tied or over. Um, so I give the apple to the collective of the Mets bullpen. Very, very nice, creative answer there, Jerry. I like it a lot. Um, I've thought about doing this in the past, actually, and I, uh, I think this is a very fitting series to do it. Uh, I want to pull innings, up those numbers. 10 shutout innings. 10 in shutout innings for the Mets bullpen. What else did they do? They struck out 15 batters. They only walked three guys, one unearned run, and seven hits. And two of those walks were Edwin Diaz. Which is crazy. <laughs> you would not expect that in a million years. Uh, which leaves me in kind of a tough spot. Uh, the Mets bats were pretty quiet in the first two games of the series. They woke up in the last game, obviously. Uh, Alonzo goes two for nine, one RBI, two runs, and two walks. One RBI is very uncharacteristic for Alonzo. You expect that number to be like three or six. Well, it or was 10. a game winner, which is characteristic. Yeah, it's true. It's actually very true. Uh, Jeff McNeil lacerated his thumb and still went two for six with a run and two walks. So good for him. That's a good name. Good yeah. word. Lacerated. I know. I keep saying it because I don't want to say like he cut his thumb. It's much more. No, fun it's to say great. It's it's very like dramatic. I agree. Didn't uh, he make a great throw for Bassett? Yeah, he, Bassett made, he played great thumb, defense. Yeah. Bassett gave him a thumbs up, like good job. That's very sarcastic <laughs> and such a smart ass move. He was like, I feel like, hey, good job. <laughs> I didn't even put that together in the moment. The big That's great. thumb, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Marte has a great series as well. Three for eleven with a double, a run, and a stolen base. He did my favorite Marte thing, which was steal the base, advance on an error, and then bring home the run. Uh, but it's got to go to one of the the two guys at the front of the rotation between Degrom and Scherzer. And I didn't get to do it last time, so I'm going to give it to Jacob Degrom this time. He gets the apple of my eye. I mean, he's just so fun to watch. You know, six shutout innings, ten strikeouts, no walks, of course, because he's a control freak. Uh, all done on 76 pitches. He struck out five batters in a row from the first to the third, just absolutely dominating through the first time through the lineup, which, you know, nobody really does quite like Jacob deGrom. 16 batters in a row from the first to the sixth. I mean, the only bad thing about watching Jacob deGrom pitch is that it all goes by so quickly because there's no (laughs) jams ever. It's always an easy, fluid inning, and it's always an absolute joy to watch. Scherzer had a great start as well, aside from that shaky first inning. Uh, but Jacob deGrom uh, very clearly separates himself from the pack, a pack that includes one of the best pitchers of our generation in Scherzer. Uh, and I just think that nobody, nobody in this league uh, can go toe-to-toe with him in a game one of a pivotal series and win that game. So Jacob deGrom, he is the apple of my eye. It's so deserved, man. He is... You run out of superlatives to talk about how good he is, but he really is just better than everybody. Like, again, these are these are career long kind of comparativeness, but to me, it feels the same. Not the same. It's similar to like watching Michael Phelps swim. Yeah. You just see a guy that's on another level on a different plane of existence. Uh, Usain Bolt, when you're running the hundred, you're just like, this guy's going to freaking dominate everybody. Yep. Mike Tyson in his prime, you're looking to see a knockout. It's just special to watch. And even though he only goes six, 
and it's 10 punch outs. Like it's just, you know, he's still got some training wheels on him. Rightfully so. I think they're handling him beautifully. Yes. There's no reason to push him faster right now, build him up. And even, you know, I, I don't know, we could speculate, but the guy is just better than everybody. Yes. He's better than everybody. And I, I liked what you said, because like there's no I love the way the Mets are handling him. They're letting him pitch to his strengths. I think 75 is a good mark for him, especially if he's going five to six every single time. Uh, and there's no reason to push for the extra inning because, I mean, the Mets bullpen has been so good. You don't need that extra inning from DeGrom. You might as well just protect him. Uh, so I'm loving everything I'm seeing. Uh, but the Mets are getting reinforcements back on the pitching side of things very, very soon. Our guy, Drew Smith, who I was, uh, you know, DMing recently just to talk about things because, you know, we're, we're, we're tight like that. It's not a big deal. Uh, his right lat strain is improving greatly. He threw off flat ground for the first time yesterday. So hopefully he's working his way towards a bullpen and a rehab assignment. Tyler McGill with the right shoulder strain. He's a little bit ahead of our guy, Drew. Uh, he threw his first bullpen yesterday and could be working towards that rehab assignment soon. We talk a lot about the role that McGill can play in this bullpen going forward. It's going to be a bullpen guy. Oh, he's yeah. going to be it. They're going to do the same thing with DeGrom to a different degree because the where where he got hurt was in those like once his pitch count got up he, it puts higher stress levels on your arm yeah. and on your body and so they're going to keep him to like a two maybe three inning max but I imagine it's a one to two inning fucking blow it out kid show me what you got and we saw what he did especially opening day upper 90s just devastating yeah. stuff so that he will be a weapon and i hope he truly embraces it and i think he will because of everybody around him telling him all the guys all the coaching like you're gonna be a, a weapon you're gonna be like just this come in and slice up kind of thing which would match match up really well uh with anybody yeah. so I'm, I'm excited for him I, I hope he really really truly embraces that role yeah, people really forget that McGill was casually touching 99 in his early April starts where he was absolutely He was 98-99, yeah. like, a few times. Crazy. Like, for, for stretches. Wild. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Hunter also threw a scoreless inning for Binghamton. Uh, he's rehabbing with his back. I'm happy to see that he's progressing along pretty well because that's the same back that took him out for pretty much a whole yeah, year. Yeah, I think they're – I talked to him a little bit. I think it's because uh, just extra precaution. They're like, ooh, he felt something in his back. Yeah. Again, the depth of what the Billy Epler in the front office has done allows them to say, we don't need you. Go get right. The fact that he's throwing in rehab already is a good sign. Yeah, definitely a good sign. And, and you know, it just goes to show the new Mets philosophy of protecting these guys and not pushing for the extra inning when they don't. Well, have to. I mean, it's yeah, the the ability to have depth allows you to do this because you know that's what we did last year. We forced Cookie Carrasco to come back quickly. You know, we forced guys to do more than they can or more than they should because we just needed them to be. We needed bodies yeah. because we didn't have anything behind them and they were desperate to win so the way they've played the ability to jump out to a lead everybody else working together as a collective has allowed them as uh as an entity of the new york mets as an organization to be cautious and they should and it shows like from a player's perspective the way they've handled everybody in the same way is gives you a breath of fresh air because you know they care about you as an individual because you're going to go and help them. So right. it's nice to know that they have your best interests at heart, which isn't always true. And most of the time right. it is not. No, I was going to say like, there have been a lot of Mets teams that kind of just, you know, put the product first in that kind of regard. Yeah. And if you're going to ask, like, again, they, they, they talked about this. Decomo wrote an article about uh, they don't ask DeGrom. They're like, Hey, you have this many pitches and DeGrom understanding, you know, 
says, yeah, I, all right, that's what I have. Yeah. But, and that's huge for him as a professional because you saw what happened with, uh, with Syndergaard when he was like, I don't want, don't look at my shoulder. And then he blows his lat out or, right, you know right. what I mean? Like DeGrom understands as a, as a grown up, as an adult, as a professional, like if I lobbied and argued and, you know, like, Oh, I'm going back out there and yeah. he got hurt, how bad that would be for the team. And so he's taking a very, impressive mature stance and just going with the flow and i love it yeah this weekend really kind of put into perspective how healthy this mets team has been all year we've had brandon nemo all year we've had main the main guy starting Marte, who's had injury trouble in the past he's been here pretty much all year and watching uh, escobar come out and mcneil come out and guillorme come out it was like oh wow like i forgot that this is actually a factor that can really affect a mets season they've just been so good with the platoon options and giving guys rest days every week that it just hasn't been an issue until this point yeah we've they've been pretty blessed especially on the offensive side the pitching yeah. side we've seen some some uh some injuries obviously but from a, play, a position player's perspective, definitely been pretty lucky. We lost McCann for a little bit. Yeah. We, we lost some guys for, for stretches, but they've done such a good job. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, it's finally time to start previewing the upcoming series with the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. But joining us to help us analyze and understand everything that's about to go on these next four days are the two guys from SNY's The Mets Pod. I recently invaded their show. Now they're invading ours. Joining us is Connor Rogers and Joe DeMeo. Guys, how are you doing today? Good, man. Not only did you invade our show, you invaded the Mets broadcast. No. Uh, you caused quite the stir <laughs> with the man of many names. So I, I have to give it to you. Uh, you came in with quite the loud bang. It was yeah, awesome. I wasn't expecting that, but, you know, sometimes things just happen. <laughs> yeah, gl- glad to be here. And it's a Shea Station Mets pod handshake emoji. Yeah, a little I bit. You know? I think that's what I'll tweet yeah, that's later. That's right. A little partnership. <laughs> be nice. Yeah, man, you guys, we had to zoom out. Our audio jack, our, our producer had to zoom out to fit Jolly's head because it <laughs> swelled up so big because he got a blowout conversation, it's you know, on the deal. Gary Keith and Ron show. And that's every, like he said, that's every Mets fan's dream is to be, you know, talked about in that situation because they can fill the air with anything. Exactly. And Jolly's ego has swollen. I mean, it was it was very clearly on their topic list for the day of things they wanted. <laughs> We're playing it cool. It's fine. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge when deal. When does it? When yeah. does it become the Shea Station pod with Jack Olive? Wow. And then, like, under it says <laughs> FT. Jerry Blevins. Featuring we're that getting, guy. We're getting dangerously close. I mean, I think we're there. We might be. Yeah, we're there. We're hot in the streets right now. Uh, Jerry's going to take us through the probables as he always does whenever you're ready, Mr. Blevins. I am ready. We have a four game set happening in Atlanta coming up starting two nights. Uh, game one is Cookie Carrasco against Spencer Strider, the man of many lucky hits, as you recall, <laughs> only lasted two and two thirds against the Mets offense and made up some excuses. Very interesting. Fitting? Real? We'll find out because he has a chance at redemption. Uh, Matt Olson in his career versus Cookie is five for 11 with two home runs. Uh, Carrasco on the fourth of this month against Atlanta went six and only gave up three runs. And Nimmo versus Strider is three for six with a home run. That is game one. Game two, Taiwan Walker is 10-3 and three with a 3-4-3 ERA going up against Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton has been hit quite well by the Mets this year. 10 and two-thirds, nine earned runs on 13 hits. Uncharacteristic six walks and given up three home runs. Morton has surrendered home runs to six different Mets 
but not Alonso. So that is maybe a little foreshadowing, a foretelling. Uh, we'll see. The Braves scored eight runs off Walker in two innings in their last matchup, but Walker bounced back versus Cincinnati, going six strong and only giving up two earned runs. That is game two. Game three, Mad Max Scherzer versus not Max Freed so far. He's going up against Jake Odorizzi, who's four and four and a 3.8. He was their trade deadline acquisition. Uh, he struggled since coming to Atlanta. He has eight and two thirds innings pitched, four earned runs on 14 hits. Uh, Scherzer, on the other end, has not struggled. His last four starts versus the Yankees, the Nationals, the Braves, and the Phillies, he's two and oh. He is 27 and two-thirds innings pitched, only three earned runs. That is 28 strikeouts and four walks. Unbelievable. He's thrown at least six innings in every start since coming back from the IL. Ronnie Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, and Travis Darno all have two home runs against Scherzer. He's been known to give up a ton of solo shots, so that is not uh, that big of a deal. But Lindor versus Odorizzi is 11 for 28 with two home runs. That is game three. And the final game, we get Jacob deGrom, the GOAT, 2-0-1-6-2 in his three starts since returning against To Be Determined. We talked about uh, injuries. We've got Max Fried possibility if he comes back from concussion. Um, Kyle Wright right now dealing with arm fatigue, so we don't know what's happening there. Uh, our man Jolly Olive has slated in Bryce Elder possibly, who is 1-3 with a 4-4-5 ERA. DeGrom versus Atlanta in his second start, he was five and two thirds, gave up uh, the two earned runs after being perfect. He had a walk and then uh, Dansby Swanson got him for those two earned runs on a homer, but he had 12 punch outs. He was brilliant as we've come to recognize from him. Austin Riley in his career versus DeGrom is pretty decent. Three for 14 with two home runs. Uh, that is game four. That is a four game set. The last series versus Atlanta before the very end of the season should be interesting. A different ball game in Atlanta because that is quite the home field advantage too. And that is our four game set. Jerry, very nice probable preview as always. I want to turn it over to our SNY guys. Ask you guys a few questions. Uh, peak your brain a little bit. First off, I wanted to know if you guys expect to see Max Fried make an appearance in this series at all. Do you think that concussion woe is finally behind him at this point? concussions are tricky but i'll say this it, it seems like thursday that door is wide open for free to be slotted in there maybe it gives him enough time that you go through whatever protocols that they have and and you get him ready you give him a little extra time because we know strider morton and assuming odorizzi are slotted in i guess odorizzi could be the flex guy there where if you want freedy then earlier um then you can go that route so i i, I do think we see him as much as concussions are tricky but it was kind of odd that he didn't come out of that game when it happened. I know the symptoms can come up even later beyond the incident. So I'm assuming Farid is back for this massive, massive series for Atlanta. And I also wanted to ask you guys, since you guys are big prospect guys, we have, we're dealing with some injuries on the infield now. Luis Guillorme might miss some time. Eduardo Escobar had some left side tightness. How real is Brett Beatty watch right now? I actually do think it's real. Um, I've had to fight off the Francisco Alvarez stuff for like three months. <laughs> um, yeah, basically people just get in my mentions whenever a prospect's hitting, why why isn't he with the major league team? Um, but when you look at Alvarez, Mark Vientos, and Brett Beatty, those are kind of the three guys that are talked about. Uh, I would say Alvarez is having a tough go in AAA uh, in the early going. He, he's been a little better of late, but he's, He's definitely adjusting there. Uh, Vientos, I think, was a guy that probably, sh Connor and I talked about this on the Mets pod, he probably should have been called up somewhere in like early to mid-July. 
given a look prior to the trade deadline. But once you acquire Darren Ruff, now it's basically, unless there's an injury, I don't see any spot for Vientos. Uh, obviously, the injury to Luis Guillaume with the groin, we'll see what the situation is there. I think if he's day-to-day, like it seems like the Mets have, knock on wood, lucked out on some of these things over the past couple months, I don't think they would call upon Beatty. I know Gosuke Cato uh, is with the team, so he could potentially be activated. But if it's a couple weeks, two to three weeks on Guillaume, I'll say this. I think Brett Beatty is a guy, even though he has the least amount of AAA time, I think his overall skill set is probably best to transition to the big leagues right now. He has the best plate, best plate, this, yeah, best plate discipline. Um, you see him work counts. He recognizes breaking balls, even from lefties, maybe not a Jerry Blevins breaking ball, but he could recognize <laughs> some left-handed breaking balls. Uh, and what I've seen from him this year, which was really impressive, he's always been a big raw power guy, but it's been largely to center and left center and left field this year. He's really emphasized on uh, pulling the ball. And so teams were coming after him with inside velocity, which is kind of where you saw some struggles at the real beginning of the season. And now he just started crushing those two. So I think his overall profile is just more complete than the other two prospects. And if he were to get called up, I don't think he'd be a fish out of water. Gotcha. Jerry, That's you want awesome. to say something? I appreciate the pandering as well. I'm all for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like Beatty. Again, this is your guys's, you know, this is your neck of the woods and it comes to um, the prospects. But how real, I don't know. I, I actually don't know the rule right now about expanded rosters in September. Do they go to yeah. 29? I think it's 28. I'm pretty sure it's 28. Yeah. And I'm almost positive the rule is in order to be postseason eligible, you just need to be on the 40 man roster before September 1st. Okay. So, gotcha. so if you do a true September call up to a Beatty or an Alvarez who are not on the 40 man roster, they wouldn't be postseason eligible. But can they rotate? Them, can they rotate roster activeness? Like they bring up a pool of guys like, uh, like a taxi Sept- squad. Yeah. Kind of in September. Is that possible? Uh, so I know, I mean, there's an in-season taxi squad. Like, yeah. like you said, Ghostgate Kato has been on the taxi squad for like two days. He's just hanging out with the Mets, um, which I guess isn't a bad deal. Pretty cool. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know if it's an expanded taxi squad, if I'm being honest, Connor. I'm not sure if you know, but uh, I assume it's, you know, the two extra Ross spots plus taxi squad, which I believe is three players you're allowed up to. Yeah, I think that's correct. I do know it goes to 28 on September 1st. And and like Joe said, the most important thing is definitely that 40-man because it'll affect the postseason eligibility, which, you know, Vientos is a guy that has been on that 40-man, but Beatty and Alvarez will be a different situation. So here's a scenario that we talked about a couple of episodes earlier, and I talked about it because everybody was all over Alvarez, Joe, as I I know that you've been part of them getting him to the big leagues. But I see now that they've kind of settled into their season – getting those guys some experience around a winning ball club to, to get your first cup of coffee, even if it's not on the active roster, if it's part of the taxi squad, to just get around a clubhouse that is, it shows you what it's like to win, the veteran guys that show you what it takes to get prepared to win, and just that feeling of that excitement of getting around a ball club that's looking to win a World Series. I think that would be so 
advantageous for a young guy to be around and they have those core three guys even if it's not active even if they aren't active how how likely is it that you think that they start to just get around the guys once september rosters expand i think it wouldn't be the worst idea to get them around and um i also do mets perspective for sny which is a digital video series with prospects myself and jacob resnick and in fact our guest on this week's that's going to be coming out later this week is Brett Beatty. And I asked him very much that question about getting to the big leagues now, even though he's a week into a triple A career. And, you know, he kind of pointed out largely what you said. He was like, look, I want to be in the big leagues now. I understand it's a process, but being able to be around a winning club is something that's very exciting to him. So I do think it would be valuable. Like you said, even if they just come on the taxi squad and just get a feel for a locker room, that could be something. But, you know, a guy like Vientos, I wouldn't be opposed to him being a September call-up and saying you don't need to be a part of the, you know, necessarily the postseason roster, but he could be a pinch hitter off the bench. I mean, Syracuse, uh, it's not exactly a, a playoff team, so they're they're not really going to be contending. So their seasons are going to end around then. So I, I think that there could definitely be some value there. And, you know, we'll see, you know, maybe as soon as later today, if Brett Beatty being added to the roster now is a thing. Yeah, Connor. Yeah, that's very interesting. Connor, I wanted to ask you too, because the guys that we're about to play, the Braves, have done this to great success. Michael Harris is a rookie of the year candidate in the National League. They just called up Vaughn Grissom, and he's already made quite the statement for himself. He had an absolute moonshot uh, in Miami. Do you think that more teams, not even just the Mets specifically, should be following the policy of like, let these kids play in September, call them up, give them a chance? You might find a spark plug where you didn't think you would originally. I do. I think it brings energy to a club, and we've heard it about the Braves for months with Harris. I mean, obviously, we've seen his arm play in center field, but his bat is way ahead of what they expected yeah. coming up. I mean, he was hovering around 300 for a long time. I don't think anybody expected him to hit big league pitching right away. They knew what kind of defense they were getting in center field, and he's been the total package. And you brought up Grissom, who... I mean, he was in double, he was barely in double A and they brought him up to the major leagues and he hits a home run in his debut. And then two days later, he hits that moonshot that you talked about. So he he has serious, serious pop for a middle infielder. And I think that there's an energy aspect to it. The one thing I will say, my full-time job is scouting in football and this bleeds over to baseball scouting as well. The DNA of a guy is what matters most because some guys can come up, struggle, and they can find themselves in a rut for a long time. And other guys, and I think Alvarez fits in this mold from obviously doing a show with Joe all the time. Joe's talked to Alvarez a lot. He knows people around Alvarez. Alvarez has a special, special DNA for a 20-year-old kid that he can come up, have struggles defensively, maybe get yelled at by a guy like Scherzer or Bassett, and he's fine. He could take it. He'll be back in spring training ready to go to win the starting catching job. So The DNA of the player matters so much, but fortunately for the Mets, everything we've heard about guys like Alvarez and Beatty is that they have a different level of confidence that is going to play in the major leagues at some point in the near future. Totally agree regarding the DNA. I think that that's definitely a big factor. Um, I will say, though, I don't get tempted by what other teams do. I want the Mets to stay to what their process is, their evaluation of their prospects. If they look at Beatty or Alvarez or Vientos and they say they're ready, call them up let the kids play, like you said, but I don't want them to feel pressured to do it because the Braves did it. And it has worked for those specific players. Cause as you guys know, like we're all, they're all individuals. It's not a, everyone's not just made of clay or whatever. Like, so 
I, I definitely think Beatty and Alvarez, like Connor said, I think they have the DNA to take it where if they come up and it's not crush out the gate, I don't think it would, you know, kind of ruin them. And, you know, I hope things work out for Jared Kelnick, but it's looking like that was the situation where he yeah. was rushed and it's, it, he's come back and he's been kind of just as bad. So uh, you definitely want to be smart with prospects when you call them up, but the excitement factor um, for the fan base, as well as the clubhouse to add some young juice, I, you know, you just have to go back to 2015 when Michael say. Conforto got yep. called up, you know, I was in New Britain, Connecticut at a, uh, Binghamton, uh, they were the Binghamton Mets then, the B Mets and uh, Rock Cats game, sitting next to Michael Fulmer like a day before he got traded, and then two and then Conforto, who two days later got called up. So um, you never know what kind of juice it could bring, and you know I think the Mets right now are really evaluating that. Yeah, guys, it's been great having you on because it's not really like prospect knowledge that's really in me and Jerry's wheelhouse. So it's always nice to hear an outsider perspective, especially, you know, Joe, you talk to a lot of the players. And, you know, I really liked what you said about how they're not made of clay. They're still, you know, young kids, like they're still human beings. I think it's really important to remember that aspect of it. Um, but at the same time, I'm just so excited to see at least one of them come up in the Mets uniform. <laughs> it's it's such a unique sport because we're, we're the only real sport that has to wait so long to see these kids come up because they really have to refine and fine tune their skills. Um, but it looks like we have a real shot at it. Um, I wanted to ask you guys one more question as we turn it back over uh, to the Mets and the Braves, specifically on game two, which is Tywin Walker versus Charlie Morton. Uh, Walker got tossed around uh, for eight runs in an inning plus uh, in his last start against Atlanta. And we all know the uh, sort of the narrative that Walker struggled in the second half uh, of last year. And I don't think we uh, any of us want that to continue. Uh, so I just wanted to know, uh, or I guess want you guys to speak on how, uh, the importance of Tywin Walker turning in a good start against Atlanta this time around, because it is tough to face this team in such a short time after struggling against them uh, in the first time around. It's massive. I mean, obviously for the series, for the division, but for Taiwan going forward for the last, what, month and a half of the season. And, it, it, you know, there's the narrative because of last year, Kenny pitch in the second half of the season. And I think it got a little overblown because he had the one bad start this year and obviously bounced back against the Reds. But I think when you look at it, the Braves lineup is a bad matchup for him, obviously. And I'm not saying that because of what happened a week ago. I'm saying that because of the way they hit power and the way Taiwan will go after hitters. There's plenty of nights where he goes, I'm not trying to strike out 10 guys. I'm going to pitch to contact. I'm going to pitch in the zone. I'm going to throw a lot of different pitches around the zone. So I think it's huge for him. And I think it's a good matchup against Morton because realistically, the Mets are going to score runs in this game, right? If you were going up against a Strider, a Freed, those guys traditionally, and I know the Mets got to Strider a little bit last time, but he's been one of the best pitchers in the National League this year. It's hard to get to a guy twice in two weeks. So I think the matchup is really good for Taiwan, that if he can settle into this game, get through the first inning or two without giving up you know, a big inning or a lot of hard contact, he's going to be fine because at the end of the day, the Mets lineup is going to hit Morton. And then, guys, we know what September looks like. I trust Taiwan Walker against the Nationals, the Pirates, the stretch they have in September. So you get through these two weeks, and then you put things on cruise control to win this division. I'm hoping he has a good start against the Pirates. I need that redemption for him. Uh, after last year's weird the kickball, ball, it's, they just, yeah. yeah, that was so strange. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say I, I'm. I think Walker bouncing back is obviously huge for this series because, like, like Jerry mentioned when he was doing the probables, this is the last time the Mets see Atlanta until towards the end of the year, and I think it would be good for Walker to kind of get the bad taste out of his mouth of his last start and uh, knowing the type of prepar uh, 
preparation he does, I don't expect him to go out and get shelled again. I think he's going to learn from what he did his last time out. I think you'll see a better outing from Walker. And if you want to even think big picture beyond just the Braves series, there's almost like a competition within this Mets rotation because the playoffs are going to happen. I think we could all agree the Mets are going to be in the I'll playoffs. I'll never believe it until it happens. But... <laughs> um, yeah, they'll, they'll likely be in the playoffs. I think Fangraph somehow says they're a 100% chance despite baseball still existing. Uh, <laughs> but alas, uh, I think there's a competition between Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco for that fourth spot where if you're going to use four starters in, in a playoff rotation, because Cookie's been fantastic of late. So I think there's kind of that internal competition, which is which breeds great results, obviously, internal competition. And then, of course, Taiwan himself gave up eight runs, and I'm sure he wants to reverse that course. Yeah, Joe, you kind of stole the last question right out of my mouth about who would get that game for ball. I still personally believe it's Taiwan Walker in the best-case mm-hmm. scenario, but it's definitely an interesting question to pose. I think they play the hot hand. Yeah. And I wouldn't I eliminate Mr. David Peterson from that conversation right. either, being a lefty uh he's pitched so well like he's been I've been so impressed Connor talked about um kind of DNA and in scouting I've been so impressed with David Peterson's maturity being able to handle you're in the rotation you're out you're in the bullpen you're starting on full rest you're going an extra day we're pushing you back he's swallowed his pride he's been taken out mid at bat from from you know the ball getting taken out of his hand after one pitch it's he's handled so many things with grace he's shown some some being upset which is human being but he's also just been mature i've been very impressed so i wouldn't eliminate him i think taiwan walker quietly has been the mvp of this rotation because he stepped up when scherzer went down when they thought bassett was going to be the guy Taiwan was the guy because Bassett struggled for that like four or five start stretch and, and cookie has been elite. So it's a, it's a good battle to have. I, I'm I'll be very intrigued, uh, you know, and hopefully everybody else stays healthy. Yeah. They're, they're... Here's a question for you. Does Carrasco's postseason experience play into the Mets thought process here? Because I think Walker's thrown one inning in the postseason in his career. Obviously Peterson hasn't been there. Carrasco's made three big postseason starts. I know two of them went pretty well. Does that play into this at all? I think it does. I really do. I think if um, if there's a basically 50-50 flip, mm. there'll, there'll be some factors in it, you know, history against the team. But I think experience is huge because it's a different beast uh, being in playing in the in the postseason. It's different. I don't care how how mature you are. There's a lot of things that come with playing in the postseason that are different than what you face every day. And Carrasco, having made it all the way to the World Series with uh, the Indians at the time, uh, it does play a factor. And he's he's been through everything. And Taiwan, you know, hasn't. And, and if it's equal, equal, I'm sure that will definitely play a factor. Uh, and I honestly think with when you're talking about David Peterson as well, so maybe he maybe he's not a postseason starter, but I think he's a part of the postseason bullpen. I mean, with Joely Rodriguez having kind of his ups and downs as the primary lefty here, and Connor and I had talked about this dating back to the offseason that the Mets kind of dropped the ball on getting left-hand relief, and then they didn't do it again at the trade deadline. But if you just look at Peterson, I mean, it's the control. That's the thing. That's the only thing that's holding him him back at this point. But it's 97th percentile swing and miss rate on his slider. His fastball is up to 96, 97 miles an hour. Like, 
I see no reason why David Peterson shouldn't be able to be an impactful bullpen arm down the stretch and into the postseason. And on the other side of the, the right-hander, I can see the same thing happening for Tyler McGill. So uh, the bullpen, while that's something that a lot of fans are questioning, I think there's very interesting pieces coming back there. That, my, my next question, and I just kind of, you talked about not getting a lefty with Chafin. Uh, I'm assuming that's kind of the guy. For me, the big miss was not getting the guy we saw uh, with the Phillies is Robertson. And he had done very well against lefties. I was surprised that they did pull the trigger to kind of step up. What was, did you hear about what package that, that the Phillies were, or Phillies, that the Cubs were wanting to get him? And how do you feel as the guy? I don't know any of the names for the most part. Um, do you agree, disagree, or how do you feel about the package that they wanted? And Epler deciding like, hey, that's too big of a price tag. So I actually did hear that the Cubs were seeking uh, Calvin Ziegler in the deal, which he was the Mets second round pick uh, last year. Uh, obviously the Mets drafted and did not sign Kumar Rocker. So he was their highest signed draft pick from the 2021 class. And I don't blame the Mets for saying no there. I don't know if it was Ziegler and something or whatever, but Ziegler was their target. Um, I think they looked at it as Robertson obviously is a better pitcher than Michael Givens, but they got Michael Givens for, you know, no offense to Saul Gonzalez, a guy that if I were making a top 30 prospect list in the system, that would like, he wouldn't even be kind of close to cracking that. Whereas Ziegler uh, is the number 10 prospect in the system for me. So um, it was a big price that I don't blame Billy Epler for, for not paying it. And I know there was a lot of talk about Ben Brown, the pitcher that they did receive. Uh, Cause I think MLB pipeline had him like 21st or 22nd in the system but those rankings are months old. Uh, uh, people I talked to were like, he's almost a top five guy in the Philly system. Oh, so yeah. wow, it, it actually ended up being a pretty penny that was paid for David Robertson. So when you just talk about cost of prospect capital versus kind of quality of reliever you're getting, I thought the value on the Michael Givens move was probably smarter. Thank you. Uh, I want to briefly interject one more thing since we were talking about postseason experience. Uh, seven innings, no earned runs, one hit, no walks, two strikeouts for Jerry Blevins in six postseason games. Only two strikeouts? Wow. A lot of soft <laughs> contact. <laughs> <laughs> guys, uh, thank oh, you so man. much for joining the show. Uh, for our listeners who are unfamiliar, these are the two guys from SNY's The Mets Pod. They do an absolutely fantastic job. If you're looking for more Mets talk, and especially some prospect insight, as we did a lot on this episode, you definitely want to go check them out. Also, follow them on Twitter. Joe is at PSL to Flushing on Twitter. Connor is at Connor J. Rogers. Jerry, you got what, anything else? What else? You talked about Mets perspective. Uh, Joe, what else do you have in Connor after him? What else do you guys want to promote? Mets, Mets pod is uh, great, man. That's perspective. And then my writing at SNY.tv. So basically I'm all over SNY. That's where you, that's where you're going to find my stuff. And then Connor, you're a Jets guy, correct? I am. I am a Jets guy. Uh, also for SNY very often as well. So if you have SNY on, you're going to probably be able to find Joe and I, if they're not talking about Jack's many different identities. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you guys. We appreciate having you on. Really do. Guys, thank oh, you no, so much. It was, a blast. It was a blast. Appreciate it, guys. All right. And I think that'll do it for us on this beautiful Monday day. Uh, we will see you guys again on Friday. To recap, Mets, Braves from Atlanta, hopefully another series win. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.
Take care. Jack Olive. Jeremy Belvins. <laughs> Alonzo to his left. Flip.